welcome everyone. We had a false start there. I hope no one got in there by accident. But um, I'd like to welcome our special guests. Uh, first, Victoria Avalon and Randy Landers. And Admiral Noriega is joining us right now. Here he comes. I thought you said you had killed him, Michael. You didn't kill him. Well, I know, and that's probably, he probably stressed me out, and that's why the broadcast didn't go live like it was supposed to. <laughs> but then he shows up, and everything works fine. You know how that goes. I do. I was running on Hawaiian time. I am so sorry. I, I do apologize. I figured the program was going to go in an hour, so uh, I was just... I wasn't even dressed. I am dressed now. Victoria, how are you doing? I'm fine. I think the rest of us are all on Eastern time, Roger. Yeah, well, I'm supposed to be on Pacific time, but apparently I was on Hawaiian time. So uh, it's only uh, three o'clock there. <laughs> okay, fine. Go ahead. Make it clear as to how screwed up I am right now. So how's okay. everyone? Mm. How are you doing there, Randy? It's good. Glad to see Victoria on the show with us tonight. Thank you, Michael, for giving me a call. But, uh, all right. That's all good. You guys are doing intros, everything? Well, we did once, and then we weren't live. The thing didn't go. And after I'd done all the intros, I realized, oh, no, it didn't go live. So we started over, and that's when you came on. So Okay. So my timing was impeccable. Yes. Well, all right, fair enough. Well, Randy, thank you for joining us. Victoria, again, thank you. And Randy, thank you for the reminder. Folks, it is Monday Night in America, but we have a special event tonight. Of course, Victoria Avalon is joining us this evening. She's going to tell us what she does in the real world and in the world that we overdressed in. So uh, I do apologize. I keep doing the Picard maneuver. It's true, man. you got to keep pulling the uniform down. So it works. Hola to uh, – is it – Rahadian? Is that how we pronounce it? I'm sorry. There are some who call him Tim. Hi, Tim. <laughs> That'll work. And Nefarious Ferrets. How you guys doing? Thanks for joining us. Victoria, tell yes, us. Sir. Tell oh, we're gonna start with the sir. No, 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 no. No, no rank here. Sorry, I'm a southern girl. I can't help it. Ah, uh, fair enough. All right, I'll uh, I'll have to deal with that. Anyway, so tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Victor, so we can get this going. Well, I don't know that there's that much to tell. Um, oh, there always is. Well, um, <laughs> um, uh, I'm an attorney in, in day job. Um, been a Star Trek fan my whole life. That's kind of what this is about. Um, I have been involved in four um, fan productions. Oh, wow. I've lost count of the number of, of actual productions that I've acted in. Um, I've been behind the scenes crew in some, uh, learned from some really tremendous people um, in the process. Uh, I write for, uh, for Randy, which is a blast. Um, I've really learned a lot uh, doing that. Um, I really, <laughs> I'm not good about talking about myself. Um, so I'm not sure I mean, what, what would you like to know? You're doing very well, as a matter of fact. 
Um, did you ever think of uh, coming up with a program, maybe the Starfleet's version of the JAG Corps or anything like that? <laughs> no, actually. Um, the funny part is that um, most people who I work with in, in production companies only have a very superficial, um, unless they've known me for a long time, only have a very superficial idea of, of what it is exactly that I do to finance those those film trips um, because I like to get as far away from the courthouse as I possibly can when uh, when I, I'm I'm out of it. I mean I've I've been in law enforcement most of my uh, adult life one way or another, and and when I wasn't doing that, I was a, a I'm a former paramedic and uh, former military, and uh, and I want to get as far away from from all of that as I possibly can when uh, when I'm being creative. And, um, you know, the, the folks that I work with in, uh, in the fan film industry are just as far away from that world as possible uh, for the most part. I'm one, of, uh, one of my coworkers in, uh, in fan film world, and I'm not going to say who it is, is a deputy sheriff, and he's the only one that I know that, uh, that's in the business too. And both of us are, are the same way. We're, we're both trying to stay as far away from work as we can when we're doing this. All right, Randy, I only handed it to you on the silver platter. When are we going to have a court martial episode? <laughs> Never. Okay, fair enough. All right. <laughs> actually, I, I, actually, we just released a, um, a promo for an upcoming special release featuring the return of a character who... I guess that's technically a court martial. Yeah, it kind of is actually. Yeah. I had nothing to do with that, and I just saw Mike Bedner show up. Oh my gosh, Mike is one of the ones that got me into this in the first place. Hi, Mike. <laughs> that is cool. Well, uh, fair enough. Uh, I guess maybe we can uh, show that promo in a little bit if it's possible, and if not, uh, we're all good. If there's a, a promo, we could probably see it. But, uh, Victoria, would you tell us what you're doing right now, which program you're involved in, your role, and maybe your character a little bit? Hi, Michael. Oh, notice he says hello to everyone. Okay, that's fine. I got it, Michael. Uh, but, Victoria, yeah, would you would you tell uh, our audience your role right now? And, sure. Uh, well, primarily, I'm involved in uh, Randy's Orionverse. Um the, the greater Orion verse. I'm a staff writer. verse. Yes. Potemkin I'm a staff verse. writer for uh, Potemkin Productions and uh, and primarily for Starship Demos. Um, I've written, I think, 11 of the 17 that we filmed. And uh, I've played the character of Sean Gabriel um, in every one of those except one. There, there's only been, of the 17 that we filmed or 18, um, I've been in all but one. Um, I'm also involved um, in Dreadnought Dominion. Um, that's put on by uh, uh, Randy Wren and, and uh, Gary Davis. I play Dr. Maureen Farrell. We'll be filming again in, in um, February, I think. And uh, I know Randy's working very hard on that script. He's a great storyteller, too. And, and I love working... In, in that universe. And um, my friend, uh, John Broughton and Mike Bedner, Mike is here, 
um, have announced Farragut forward. Um, apparently, the uh, the crew is getting back together, and stay tuned. I played uh, one of the engineers, Yvette Dupree, in that, and hang in there, and you may see her make a comeback. We'll see. That is cool. That's good to know. So who knows? Michael, there it is. Everyone is asking you to be a part of it. Keep that in mind, please. <laughs> Which is really, really cool. So um, right now you play, uh, I, I understand you've written many of the episodes, but mm -hmm. you are Captain, correct? Yes. Um, captain Gabriel now. Yep. Um, she did not start out that way. Um, when I started with Demos in 2015, um, Shan Gabriel is, is uh, English, Welsh, and she was supposed to be the ship's engineer. And one thing led to another, and, and we had some cast changes, and uh, Randy needed a, a captain, and I guess I was next up on the, on the totem pole. So uh, I ended up uh, stepping into that role in our episode, Where They Have Gone, We Follow, at the end of that. What has been the most satisfying aspect in your involvement? And I'm generalizing. I'm not asking you to pick a favorite or whatever, but what have you enjoyed the most of being involved in these fan projects, these fan films? I do this for the people that I meet and the experiences that we share. Um, I've gotten to go places that I never thought I would go see things I never thought I would see. I can remember I've, I worked um, two episodes of Star Trek Continues um, on film crew. I worked for Matt Busey. Um, I was the first camera assistant. And uh, I was uh, on set when we shot the pilot. Um, we shot um, uh, Pilgrim of Eternity in 2013. And uh, I was just a gopher for Matt, and uh, I can remember setting up uh, mesh screens, they, they're called flags, that, uh, that we used to diffuse light. And I could just see Vic Magnonia and, um, and Chris Duhon running lines, you know? So I couldn't see them clearly, but I could hear them going back and forth. And I'm standing on the bridge in Kingsland that I'd helped to build when we were doing this. And um, just for an instant, I was in 1969. Oh my God, that's so amazing. Um, I can remember um, when we were shooting um, Conspiracy of Innocence with, uh, in, in Farragut, which was the first time I ever actually wore the jumpsuit. And we were setting up for that and I'm standing behind the, the um, the console and oh my god it was just wow you know I never thought I would I would actually do anything like that um, with with Dreadnought Dominion I always wanted to play the ship's doctor right I mean everybody has roles that they wanted to play and the two that interested me most were the ship's doctor and the captain of course everybody wants to be in the center seat right everybody wants to be the hero of course and in Dominion um, I play Dr. Farrell um, who happens to be a longtime character in, in uh, Gary's headcanon, well predating my involvement in that series. And um, in 2015, 
they asked me to uh, to voice her in um, uh, um, audio production, of, of animated production called Excalibur Log, and uh, which was that was an honor because those guys have have worked so hard on that on that uh, on that universe for so long. And uh, then they got in a bind uh, a couple years later, and they asked me to reprise the character live. Um, so I got to I, I got to do that, um, you know, the, the the doctor snapping orders, you know, uh, in extremis, and and I hadn't done anything like that since I'd been a paramedic in the 1980s, and uh, of course that was for real, and, and, and this isn't, but. Um, you know, you still kind of get in the moment, and it's still kind of cool. I mean, you know, you're, sure. you're doing a Dr. McCoy thing, you know, <laughs> and and Dr. Farrell's got the same kind of relationship with the captain, Jason Brusso, um, who's played very well by by uh, by Gary, and uh, and we we have that kind of that same kind of brother sister vibe going on, you know, and it's really awesome. But I think the most fun that I've had is is playing Captain Gabriel because she's the hero right she's she's yes. the, she's got the center seat she's the center of all the of all the productions and the way that we film a lot of demos um most of them um are what randy calls bottle productions that take place on standing sets so there's really only one way to do that and and you have to do it um when you write it you have to write it um like traditional um original series track and, uh, and, and my biggest influence is first season Trek. And, um, you know, I, I get to play the Kirk character, right? Except, yes. except, you know, Gabriel's a little bit more like Picard than she is Kirk, I think. She's, she's much more of a stickler for the roles. But she'll also step outside them if she has to, um, if she thinks that it's right. And um, developing that character has just been really amazing. Um, it, I've, I've very much enjoyed developing that character. And, uh, and I think Tim, who's, who's um, in the chat, has this incredible wiki that, that, that I stumbled on um, where he's actually done uh, character profiles, you know, like, like Memory Alpha, of, of, yes. of all of these fan film characters and, and, and two of my characters are in this and I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh my God, that's so incredible. I mean, I never, I, I never expected any, anything like that. You know, um, those things really freak me out. They, they, they just blow me away. I've had so, some very crazy experiences that are just wonderful, right? Uh, Kale Tesker did a, uh, 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 Star Trek animated thing of my character as Dupree, which is yes. in, incredibly amazing. Um, that 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 was one thing that I never expected, and I and I never expect how what we do and the stories we tell affect people. You know, I mean, I'm kind of like this is this is you know community theater. Who watches this, right? Nobody. Oh. And. Then I, I in in 2015 I, I went to uh, Treklana and I never go to conventions. I don't do that. We hadn't shot any demos yet, but I'd been in two Farragut episodes, and um, one of the things that that people asked me to do were accents. And and uh, for Farragut, uh, the character I did uh, Dupree was French Canadian, and and we worked very hard on on getting that sounding halfway believable. 
And um, oh, it, it's amazing, Tim. Oh my gosh, it's just so amazing. Um, I just, <laughs> I've never seen anything like that before. It's so cool. Um, but I went to Treklana and oh, that's so sweet. He, he writes that my portrayal of, of uh, Gabriel and the butterfly effect, one of our, uh, one of our shows was powerful and moving. That's so sweet. I, I I didn't expect that to. I mean that that particular episode has had an effect on a lot of people, and and I didn't expect that. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. When I was at Treklana in 2015, I had someone actually walk up to me and start speaking to me in French. Oh. I barely speak a word of. I mean, I barely speak a word of French. I was like, whoa. <laughs> that's hang on, man. <laughs> I don't speak the I don't speak the language, you know, because and, and, and what she said was that she had never seen um, that kind of a portrayal of, of a French character and, and it had touched her. And that's amazing. That, that's just I never expected that. I've had people actually think that I'm English um, because Gabriel is, is British, and, and again, we've worked very hard on, on getting that accent. And uh, apparently I've done it well enough that, that people actually think that, that she's from England, or I'm from England. Yes. And, uh, you know, when I get that kind of feedback, I'm just, it's just amazing that, that we're touching people in, that, in, in this way, and, and that we're, we're giving them something nice that, 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 that makes them that sucks them in, you know, um, we live in, in such a terrible world right now and, and things are so terrible in a lot of places that if we can give people the kind of escape that, that original Trek gave them, then I think we've done something good. And, uh, and that always, that always just, that, that's, that, that's very special to know that, that even, even if we've touched one person, that that's just so huge. Victoria, you have, these productions have, I cannot speak for Randy and I cannot speak for Michael and all three of you have more experience than I do in actually being involved in these endeavors. But these endeavors picked up after Star Trek went off air. I mean, they were on while Enterprise was on, but they just exploded and the fans ran to them. Use the word escape. I, I believe these programs were escapes and now as much as it would go against my definition, these programs are Star Trek. And, uh, okay, not that definition, uh, but uh, the canon stuff. Uh, uh, Gene Ronberry years ago said, whatever's on TV or movies or whatever, that's canon. Everything else is not. Well, fine. If you listen to what Gene Roddenberry said, that he fully expected that after his death, that Star Trek would be told by younger minds and other people. And it still is being told both by CBS Paramount and by here, Project Potemkin. It was told by Continues, New Voyages, Phase 2, uh, Farragut, and many others. And it is an escape. And people are paying attention. And it's incredible. Timoteo, first of all, you give him props. I give him props. Every time we have a fan film on, Tim is here supplying us the lines within seconds of everything. 
he actually makes us look good, and I've never met him. Uh, yeah, Randy, has he not? I'm laughing because I use his website as a resource for somebody says, oh, tell me about Gabriel, and I'm like, let me go to the website. Oh, there it is, cut and paste. Well, believe me, when I write, when I write, I use it too. Um, because one thing that we want to do is we want to keep our own internal canon consistent. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that happens with a lot of writers, you know, especially over time, you forget what you wrote before and we want to stay consistent. Um, and, and he mentioned a minute ago, um, he'd never heard my actual speaking voice. I'm actually originally from West Virginia. And uh, does not sound like it, Victoria. It does not sound like it. Well, thank you. And uh, and uh, but he 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 seems to think I've got a good command of of dialects. And and thank you, Tim. I I appreciate that. That that's very nice of you to uh, to to write. Oh, this is interesting. I don't think he's posted this before. He did clerical and research support at the New York Times for twenty two years. (laughs) <laughs> he's also well, very, very you know, that website of his is is so detailed um you know it, it's it's really uh it, it, it's it a, is a valuable resource. resource yes uh i i have to tell you i'm not kidding he has been a resource for us every time we do a fan film i i, I cannot exaggerate more right michael how many times we're like say that 30 seconds for it to get to him and maybe three seconds after that bam Yeah, and he has made us look good (laughs) on these programs. It's uh, it is invaluable, Tim, and I I thank you, and uh, also your commentary. Yeah, no kidding. And speaking of a few thanks, before we go any further, we are well into the program. I want to give a few shout outs: Thomas Whitney, Tony Kanapka, Jacob Hayes. Thank you for the likes, folks. You know what to do. We're going for forty. 40. Okay, we're going for 40. <laughs> if we get 40, we'll hand out uh, an Amazon card. So uh, let's get them likes, folks. Uh, but for everyone that's in the chat room here commenting live, would you share with us where you are in the world? We'd love to know. As a matter of fact, Victoria, where are you at right now in the world? Um, I'm in Central Florida, which um, I- always surprises people to find out that I'm willing to, to drive all the way up to Kentucky or to it's Alabama commitment. or, or uh, <laughs> um, if uh, as far as Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, why? Well, first of all, I love to drive. I, that's, that's kind of a thing. I, I it mean, is therapeutic, I was, isn't it? What's that? Well, yes, it, I think that yeah. it is. Um, On the long drives. When I was uh, a baby, uh, my father had uh, an R code 1963 and a half Galaxy 500 with the big 390 and all of that. And when I had colic, they would take me for rides in the car. And I've been into high performance cars oh. ever since. And uh, and and that's that, that that's my father's fault. Him and that that big Ford that he had. But um, I like the open road, so um, making these the drive is, is half the fun. And, and then of course getting there and, and I get to see all my friends and, and we get to tell stories together and, and we get to work together and, and create something enduring. And, uh, and, and can there be anything cooler? I don't know that, that there can be, it's just fun. Victoria, what was your Star Trek moment 
whether it be in the in you know on television in movies or right where what you're doing i know being on the center i mean it's unreal we all dream about it most of us i want to wear this uniform we want to be in command we want to be involved but when was the moment that you realized it's like wow this is cool this is it whether it whether it was watching it or being a part of it what was your star trek moment or which i'm sorry which is your Star Trek book? <laughs> I'm going to kind of betray my age. I mean, I can remember when the original series was on on Friday nights at 10 o'clock. I used to get in trouble for sneaking out to watch it because I was like a toddler at the time. It's one of my earliest memories. Wow. And, um, I mean, I watched all the, the reruns. I can remember when the animated series was on Saturdays. I, I would get up so I could see it when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I, I never thought that um i was going to be involved in this in in actually creating these these types of stories and i like a like a lot of fans i i would watch some of the uh some of the fan productions every now and then i don't watch all of them but they're some of the ones i watch um farragut of course everybody like starship exeter you know the trissarian intersection and all oh, that oh my goodness and um you know some of the earliest uh project potemkin i watched um jeff green's portrayal of alec gregory is is just fantastic and so i'm i'm watching all of this you know and and i happen to see um one of the uh farragut episodes i want to say it might have been for one of the nail that they did and um they at the end of it, at the end of the credits, uh, had what was then the website. So that you go to the website and, and, and see this. And so I went to the website and, um, you know, trolled around the about us and all of this and, and realized in the process that their studio was in Southern Georgia, which was only about four hours away from where I was living. And they were in the process at the time of moving from St. Mary's to uh, the location where Ray Tessie's sets are now. They're the, the, the same ones that we built as, as uh, Farragut Studio 2, um, I think, 2, in 2011-2012 in, uh, in, in time frame. And 2012 is when I got involved. And um, so realizing that it was that close i i sent an email to uh to their contact email and i figured you know whatever i mean they're going to see this some crazy fan you know and and i'm never going to hear anything but 15 minutes after i sent it i had a phone call my phone was ringing my cell phone was ringing and it was john broughton who i just watched in in this in this production and uh and i talked to him and um got me uh to come up and help uh finish building out the sets and when i first walked into the uh into what now is is uh is neutral zone studios when i first walked into that they had the bridge up and it was the pretty much the only thing um and and everything since then i, I had a hand in in helping build um, Royal Weaver and Greg Green uh, were our, our foreman of, of, uh, of construction. 
uh, did the lion's share of the work, Mike Bedner, um, with his incredible eye for detail. Um, I can remember him with a protractor um, taking angles and measuring things off of a television where, where they were watching DVDs to get the right measurements. I can remember one night when we built the, uh, uh, the captain's quarters where, where he and I and Greg and Royal and Dan Scanlon were all in this all night long argument over how high the mattress of the captain's bed is from the floor, you know, and, uh, and, and Mike, measuring it and doing math to, to come up with exactly the right height. I mean, that's why those sets look the way they look is because of, of, of that attention to detail. And, and it's primarily Mike that was the driver of that. And, um, you know, that moment talking to John was, was really kind of like, oh, my God, you know, this is this is real and, and I'm going to do this. But then I got up there. And um, when we were setting up to film Pilgrim of Eternity, um, the, the local ferry crew were the ones that, that set that up. Uh, was and, and we lit it for filming. And that was the first time I'd ever seen the, the sets lit for filming. And, uh, and, and uh, Sam Rooks, who was our director of lighting, um, he's, a, he's a Hollywood professional. And, um, and, and he's lighting this thing, and, and it looks like the 1960s. And it just, it was like you were standing there, you know, on Desilu sets in the late 1960s. And that was just amazing. A little bit of sarcasm by Tim right there <laughs> on the height. <laughs> Very good, Tim. Very good. Everything you all see when you go up to the neutral zone now. Um, you've got Mike to thank for that because uh, because of his just tremendous attention to detail. Um, and and I will share this with you. When I found out about Farragut Forward, um, I found that I found out what I know, and, and I really can't talk about it because it's not my place. But um, but I found out about it uh, in a phone call from John, and it was almost like that same phone call I with him nine years ago. Um, it, it was just you know amazing all over again. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think we've all been sworn to secrecy, huh, Michael? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you too, Randy. Yeah, we've. I know been... nothing, nothing at all. Right. I'm sorry, Admiral. That, oh, hey, no, it's just, it's it's just a pip. <laughs> That's all it is. Uh, yeah, and if anybody is interested, I mean, um, Roger and I have done two interviews with Michael about the set construction. A Farragut and yes they are long but man the details and the pictures and actually the some stories and some spoilers for Farragut forward yes. because he is building the models that they're going to use for filming uh, they're not going to use CGI they're going to actually go back like they did in the early 60s with models and film the models um, and his model are incredible. So, uh, you want yes. more info on that? Yeah. Check the NDB Media videos, and they're there. Right here on Facebook, folks, on the NDB Media page. So, uh, it's really good stuff. But going back, uh, 
Victoria, the character that you did you have the role yes. of engineer, chief engineer at any time? Okay. Okay. Yes. Let me get the um, dog. Dan Gabriel yes. started out on Demos as the chief engineer. Okay. I apologize. No, go ahead. Um, Captain Gabriel started out as Demos's chief engineer in 2008, um, and that was one of the things that we wanted to do. If you look at a lot of early Demos, um, the relationship that uh, then Commander Gabriel has with the captain, um, Jeremy Quinn, uh, Terry Self, who played Jeremy Quinn, and, and I worked, we, we were trying to create that, that kind of old friend relationship that, that Gabriel was supposed to be uh, his, con his uh, conscience. And uh, one reason that you see her in command of the ship um, so much in, in early Demos is because what we were trying to do was was capture that Mr. Scott in command kind of thing that they used to do in original series track. So anything that I wrote where, where Gabriel was in command of the ship and when the landing party is off doing whatever it is that they're doing is because I was reaching for that vibe as a writer. And um, and uh, Tim is right, that, that is the backstory. Um, Gabriel went to Demos because of Quinn an old friend requested her. Um, there, there is a lot of unpublished backstory uh, for that particular character. Um, it, Demos was her, only her second deep space tour. Um, her Starfleet is, is a second career for Sean Gabriel. Um, and, and that's what her friends call her because her name is Welsh. It's Shan. And most people can't pronounce that, so it would be natural to call her Sean, um, which is a Welsh word. The closest approximation is Jane, I guess, um, for a woman's name. And um, it, in one of the episodes, we reveal that uh, she joined Starfleet um, and took a reserve commission. Uh, because she was working on the Transwarp project in the 2280s um, when she was uh, uh, associated with the uh, uh, with the university on Alpha Centauri, and um, the unpublished part of that backstory is is that she was actually one of the leading critics of of the Transwarp effort, and when it crashed and burned, um, Starfleet got payback by invoking the uh, seldom used reserve activation clause and drafting her to uh, convert or help in the effort to convert the uh, Starship Excelsior to uh, conventional propulsion, which is how she ended up working for, uh, for uh, Captain Sulu and, and in Randy's universe, uh, Captain Chekhov later on. Um, she has one uh, the Federation's third highest award twice, the Star Cross. And uh, one of those uh, was during the Nexus incident aboard the Enterprise. She was uh, temporary duty uh, from Excelsior to Enterprise for the shakedown cruise. And um, we've, we've never gotten into that, but that's part of her backstory is, is, is that she was drafted um, and, and her entire, up until the time she was 
named as, as Demos's captain, her intention was to go back to the university and teach. And uh, there's a script in development right now where um, where one character mentions that. Victoria, I have to tell you, that's uh, that's awesome backstory. I appreciate your understanding of the transwarp stuff too. A lot of people don't know, but it's generally considered a failure. It hasn't exactly been said, but in several books and stuff, it's it's been stated that the transwarp project was a failure. It's pretty good. Very few people know that, Victoria. It's neat. And the rest of the history is really exciting. I was listening. I was amazed. So you have a backstory. Now, you as an individual, who do you look for guidance to kind of not necessarily emulate, but who, you know, who, who is the person you're taking after? Look. So many okay. people have influenced okay. my portrayal um, of, a, of a starship captain. Um, okay. Above all, is Jeff Green's portrayal of Alec Gregory. You did say that, yes. He is masterful. Um, that's one of one of my bucket list items is to somehow engineer uh, getting on screen with him somehow. Um, he's uh, he's amazing. Um, there, if if you're uh, familiar with George K. Ian, um, his mother played a starship captain in his series called the infinite chain and uh and her portrayal is it's just fantastic um john broughton's portrayal of, of jack carter influenced me um very greatly um gary davis's portrayal of jason brusso has influenced me um and and vic's portrayal of captain kirk has has also influenced me i've watched him um, as he's portrayed, and, and he's a professional actor, and and I watched him create uh, a character that was created by somebody else, and that has been a, a, a tremendous influence on me as well. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure how to how to put this, but. I think everything that you do in this, if you if you think you're 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 not influenced by something by somebody else and 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 their creativity, I think that's a lie. Um, you know, without seeing uh, those things, with without seeing uh, John play Captain Carter, you know, without having watched um, um, Jeff play Alec Gregory. Um, you know, without having seen those things. And of course, uh, George has been doing this probably for 30 years. Um, without seeing some of these things, um, you know, all trial attorneys are, are ham actors. And, and if they say otherwise, they're lying to you. You know, when you're in front of a jury, you're, you're trying to tell a story. And the best trial lawyers are all good storytellers first. Um, so all of these people, um, 
are, are telling a story through through the way that that, that they portray these characters. Um, the finesse that I have in short-term story writing, I have because of Randy. Randy pretty much trained me how to do that. Um, I was not good at writing short-form stories before I worked for, for Randy. You know, so he's been a huge influence. Um, all of these people um, have, have influenced me in this journey, and, and I'm grateful for, for all of them. Let me interrupt you right there, Victoria. Randy, yeah, go ahead. Jump in. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for all the work. I mean, she's written most of the uh, uh, Starship Demos scripts. Hers are always excellent. They're highly acclaimed, critically um, applauded scripts. Um, I haven't had a, this sounds silly, I haven't had a dud from her ever. And, and that means a lot. I yes. rarely have to do much uh, to her scripts when we get when I get them. I mean, a minor tweak here or another thing there. But when that's usually the case, it's like, oh, um, so and so dropped out of the show, or um, she can't make it to the shoot, or um, nope, that's not in the budget. <laughs> Randy. For the, for the captain, when when you're involved and you're trying to form these characters, you are the producer. How did you see her role at first? Did you did you envision her being maybe a Rachel Garrett type or maybe a Janeway or even just someone else? Just curious how we arrived. Because, folks, I, I forgive me for being air, ignorant and sexist. We still do not have very many female captains. We don't. Okay. Well, most fan films might not, but of the several Potemkin Pictures projects, uh, we've got three female captains. Yes. And um, we also have had two Afri African-American captains. I'm not trying to be token. I'm just saying that I don't write for this or that, and Victoria will tell you she doesn't get to write for this or that. And now that we've got the crew established, she can actually do more of that. But originally, it it said captain and the right. lines, science officer and the lines, medical officer and the lines, and then each actor brings to the productions their own characterizations and their own characters. Uh, Victoria created her own yeah. uh, Sean Gabriel. It's not my creation. It's hers. And while I would love to take credit for it, there's absolutely no way I could because um, she's got this incredible backstory. She's got mm -hmm. how she sees the character. And when we get scripts from other people and it's for Demos, um, she takes what they've written and turns it into her words. And the same thing was true of Jeffrey Green when he was Captain Grigory and will be again. Um, he took someone's script, often mine or David Eversall's, and he would literally rewrite them, rephrase them, modify it so that it was his words, not just the screenplays. And that is what I think sets Victoria apart from a lot of people 
is that she actually goes and tries to capture like tuck lines they're written for tuck uh, we were just discussing uh, uh, an actor who may not make it to the next shoot and what were we going to do and she's like well i want to we can give his lines to this character or this character that's how lines are but when i told her i've got someone lined up to come in and take that person's spot i told her you know we're not changing the lines it's up to that new actor to make that role his and i i just love working that way imagine roger that you could pick your own character to be your own way and come aboard an episode sorry a film of ours i sorry and shoot careful yeah shoot the way you want it to well the way you you're you're still going to have to say the lines or the intent of the lines you're going to still have to have be part of the story but you get to be the way you want to be victoria is the way she wants shion gabriel to be yeah um lee drew is the way he wants eric drogo to be tuck stevens is the way that he wants um did i just about call him the wrong name again Harper. Harper to, you know how i am with Harper's yes name. yes i uh, understand well we change stuff it. all the time when we get on set like that <laughs> yeah uh i I had one time an argument between two characters who were like, I want her lines and she wants mines. And that's how we're going to do it. I'm like, that's fine. (laughs) It works. It works. Yeah. Trust your actors to know their characters, especially when they've created them. Um, Um, To answer Tim, Tim wanted to bring up a character point about, uh, Captain Gabriel, that she wears her, still wears a wedding ring. Um, oh, yes, that was a bit up there, yeah. Uh, there's a reason, a couple of reasons. There's some non-canon reasons for that. Number one is I'm married, and um, I don't take my wedding ring off. So I needed a way to explain it. <laughs> so in creating Gabriel's character... Um, I came up with uh, with David, her ex-husband. And in Butterfly Effect, um, she speaks about him at some length. And, and that's not the only time you, you hear from Gabriel. Uh, there's an earlier episode where she's having a discussion with uh, Jeremy Quinn um, when they think that um, uh, another character... Uh, who Quinn is romantically attached to is is dying, and um, she flashes a ring, and and uh, uh, there's a brief discussion between her and uh, uh, Quinn about their time at the Cochrane Institute together when they were both there together, and uh, and so we've we've played that into her character. Hi, Donna. Frank and Donna are both here. They're the creators of Dreadnought Dominion originally. They're fantastic people. Bilkers. And very talented. Um, Yes. One thing that we try to do is is we try to work stuff like that, you know, into the story. In, in, In classic Trek, you never see them wearing jewelry, but you know that they do. I mean, people are people. And, uh, and, and that's not going to change. So, um, rather than, than, 
pulling my wedding ring off. Um, the only time I've ever, I've ever taken it off for a fan film was uh, when John asked me to take it off for the two Farragut, well, actually it's three Farragut uh, productions that I was in. And I'm not sure I took it off the last time because they didn't shoot my hand. But, um, and, and, and that's in Homecoming, which is in post-production now. And, and I only have a very brief appearance in that. Um, Victoria, I don't think you ever mentioned that Sean Gabriel and David were divorced, did you? Yes. Um, we you talked, did say divorce? Yeah, that, that came up in, okay. uh, in, in Butterfly Effect. That okay. uh, what had happened was um, because his uncle, who was a member of the Constellations crew in that, um, thank you, Tim. Yes, no greater love. I couldn't remember the name of it. And I wrote it. Isn't that terrible? But um, um, well, in, in Butterfly try, effect, produce, try producing 90 of them and you get like, did we not do that or did we do that? Is that where you're at right now, Randy? 90 something. 96. 90 different stories. Gosh, that's Victoria, I interrupted you. Plus well, no, I was just saying that in, in Butterfly Effect, she was, she was talking to uh, Harper and uh, and mentioned that um, well not no it wasn't wasn't Harper it was Drogo it's always Drogo because Drogo's her sounding board for everything and um, and she was telling him that uh, when she had gotten activated into the into Starfleet when when she had gotten into the transport program she'd had to take a reserve commission and uh, because of what had happened to uh, Commander Masada who had been uh, David's uncle, um, David never forgave her for, for joining Starfleet and it ultimately ended their marriage and Shan never got over it. It's been years and she still is carrying a torch for him. And, and I want to, to, to write an episode about that at some point where where somehow David makes an appearance, and and they'd have to cast that very carefully, yes. and uh, you know that, and, and that we would see that side of her, and, and that that effect. I've got some ideas for that script, but uh, but it, it, it's something that that I've got to talk to Randy about at length, and I need to put something on paper first. But it's something that we've talked about. Yeah, didn't you talk to me about that at the last shoot? Yes. Yes, That's I did. Yeah, you did. got yeah. an idea for how that story yeah. ought to go. And, uh, you know, the, where, where she finally gets some kind of closure. But I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anymore. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, exactly, Tim. And, and that's where I got that. And that's where I got his first name, where they're referring to him as Gil, which is short for Guillermo. Um, I got that from, I read that novel uh, many years ago, and that stuck with okay. me. Um, my two favorite TOS episodes. And this is this is a reveal too. Yes, because we were my, eventually going to ask. Yeah, my three favorite TOS episodes are the two pilots, pr primarily where no man has gone before. My God, I love that one so much, and Doomsday Machine. Those are my three favorite TOS episodes. So one running gag throughout everything I've ever written, everything for whatever series I've written it for, 
is somehow I sneak in a call out to the to the pilot. And Randy has a cottage industry of finding my call outs and editing them out. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't catch only, them all. He does not catch them all. I don't catch them all or I ignore them sometimes, but it's just a matter of um, she calls it call outs to fandom and other people call it Oh, that's just fan wank. We don't need fan wank. We need it stories. It is fan wank, and I love it. Well, fan <laughs> wank. Okay. It's kind of like Picard going engaged. Where did they get that from? They got it from the cage. That's where yes. that came from. Yes. Yes, Tim. Um, where where they go, we follow is is um, um, kind of a sequel um, to where no man has gone before. That was one of the things I've always wanted to do was go back to Delta Vega. You know, got to do it. Got to do it. Sometime bucket list thing. Go back to Delta Vega. And Chris Krasniewski did this incredible shot, this VFX shot of, of Demos coming out of warp and going into, into orbit at Delta Vega. And we do the log entry, you know, and that is directly modeled on the same scene in, um, in, in Where No Man Has Gone Before. And I, I fought for that. I wanted that. That was so awesome. Oh my God. I just was like, yes, it's total, it's total fan service. And I don't care. I loved it. I wanted to have it. It was so cool. And um, those are the moments that I just live for. I mean, you know, think you'll, you'll hear Gabriel throw off a line, like, you know, she'll, she'll turn to Drogo and say, you have the helm, maintain present course. That's, that's, that, that's what Pike said in uh in word for word in the cage you know and not only is that a little continuity for with ancient track you know because naturally you're talking about star trek right and they're, and, they're, and they're going to say i mean they're going to use the same kind of commands like if you go on a navy ship you know and and i'm sure john broughton will tell you this or, or gary because both of them or gary davis because both of them were in the navy that they have um certain um you know there, there's certain things that they, that 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 they do, you know, commands like make it so, you know, when you hear Picard say that, they use that in the Navy. I mean, you know, at, at noon when they come in and they compare the chronometers and ask the captain to set what time it is, if they can set the time at, at noon, you know, that's the captain's traditional response, make it so, you know, and, and um, when I do that, that's really the the point is, is showing that kind of starkly continuity you know that they use the same kind of language throughout the, the you know some things are traditional like you know engage to engage the warp drive you know you 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 give that order um you know or or uh you, you get the response you know all decks prepare for warp maneuvers and the and the response is all all decks show green captain you know that that's that's out of tos they say that so, you, you know, you, 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 as a writer, I want to show that kind of continuity with the subject matter that, you know, we're all one big happy Starfleet and, and we do things the same way. And this is how we do them throughout the years. Uh, have you used that line, the con line from the Wrath of Khan? We are one big happy fleet. <laughs> I have not, um, but I'm sure I could find some way to, to throw it in there sarcastically. You know, if they'd used it in either where oh, no man has gone before it's... or the cage, I'd find a way to work it in. Yes, Randy, come on, correct me. Come no, on. It's it's in an upcoming script. Oh. Is it? Oh my god. Okay, well we'll have to and see I, about that. 
And I will tell you that it's not a human or Starfleet person who says it. Well, let's think about the Star Trek universe. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to think of the Potemkin verse. <laughs> yeah, think about that, you know, and, and this is what's really <laughs> an, an incredible experience. Um, of, of the 90-some that Randy's done, I've written about 10% of, of, of the things out of his universe, right? And, and if you look at this, he's got this universe. Randy has this universe that goes all the way back to when he was doing fanzines, I mean, years and years ago. So he's got this, this tremendous alternate, this incredible, detailed, complex alternate universe. And, and you know, to write in that and, and, and to have a part in creating this, this enduring universe, wow. Isn't that cool? I think that's cool. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's why we're here. Cool. <laughs> yes. That's why I'm not allowing anyone to call it the Whedon verse. <laughs> oh. Josh Whedon, sorry. Right. Yeah. No, you're okay. I actually understood that. But he hasn't done any Trek, so yeah, it wouldn't be. It's what well, he does is of. the Whedon verse. And uh, it's the Potemkin verse. And, right. And, and we like to keep it coherent. And. That line, though, we're all one happy fleet. Uh, I will tell you that you will see it within the next year on our one of our films because it's I'm coming supposed up. to shoot. I'm shooting that on October second. Oh, so all right, that's not a secret. October second, you're shooting something, but you're also shooting again at the. October twenty third. All right, that's not secret. Obviously, you've mentioned it now. No, I don't. So shooting secret because you're always asking for assistance, right? I am always asking for actors. I am always asking for camera people, lights, costumes, wardrobes, makeups, sound. So, (laughs) lots of people. So that's good. I'm glad you're going to have one. I guess what in two weeks, which would be October. No, October second yeah. is in one. It's week. a Friday, right? Oh no, no, I apologize. That's a Saturday. Duh, I'm gonna be in San Francisco that weekend. Yeah. Everything is twenty third, or everything is on the Saturdays, and almost always either nine to t- nine to five or ten to four. Right. So on the twenty third, there's gonna be another shoot. Yeah, Who one of the demos. Yeah, I've already taken the time off from work. So the one on October 2nd, uh, are you able to hint or no? Um, it's not Demos. No, it's not there. Demos. Okay. Duh. Well, yes. It's it's not Tristan. But it is going to be really, cool. It's not really Kupak. I'm not, not involved Marie. in it. Okay. Although I did edit the script, I think. Is this the one I edited? Um, you may have seen it. But what we did was... Um, oh, we have a guess. It's the Webster. Nope. Wow, that was fast, Timoteo. I had nothing to do with that, buddy. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> nope, not the Webster. Not Marie Curie. Not except, Not um, the Endeavor. Not the Triton. Not the Alexander. And not the Tristan. Not the Tristan. So there's only one left. Yeah. <laughs> And you hinted about it last time. He did. Yeah. He did. At least I remember that for once. 
Uh, you know, it's funny, Victoria, you mentioned uh, that you've written so much that you may not remember everything that you've done. I've actually gotten to that myself. Tomorrow, next week, we open year 14. Wow. And DB Media. Congratulations. Hey, well, thank you. Thank you, sir. Impressive. We've just been here longer, that's all. <laughs> that's all it is. We started playing. Uh, actually, uh, I, I knew I wanted to do something in 2005. Not not a, a fan program or anything, but with the technology, the way it was going, I knew I wanted to do this social stuff. And in the summer of 2008, I said, I'm done. That's it. I'm doing it. We're doing it. I chose the the last week in September. It was, I believe, the 28th or the 29th of 2008, and we've been live uh, every week since. We had a streak of about eight years of every Tuesday. Oh, that was broken by one of the hosts, but I won't say who right now. But anyway, <laughs> we've been on every Tuesday for eight years, That's but incredible. now. We, we've been on every week and numerous times now. So uh, there should be a mention of a USS Noriega. I'm actually holding out hope to finally be in these programs. I want to volunteer and I want to help in not only doing what we're doing here, because I'm just, look, Victoria, uh, everything you uh, said earlier resonated with me. And all I can tell you is my, my, my small contribution is this. Being able to have these conversations with you and with Randy, with Michael, and everyone else to help get the word out. I know that people are liking this program. Thank you, Michael Bednar, for the like. But people are liking this program that are crossovers from both our sports network, both our radio channel. I shouldn't say both, but our radio channel as well as our other programs. And it's awesome. I'm glad. I, I've. I love doing this. I don't know that I would classify what you're doing as small. Um, Maybe in relationship to Paramount Pictures or or what have you, yeah. But um, or or Clear Channel. Yeah, you know, um, you know, if if you're going to compare yourself to a multinational, yeah, maybe it's small then. But um, I'm puffing up a little bit because you you know, my suggestion is. One of the things I never do, and, and it always freaks me out every time Randy points me to comments on, on some of our episodes. I never look at the comments. I don't. Um, but we've, we've had um, we, we've had several, particularly on Butterfly Effect, and, and um, th- there's, a, there's a story attached to, to that episode, of, of a very interesting one. Um, but... Um, you know, you never know uh, as you go through life and, and, and the things that you're doing, Roger, who you're touching, you know, and, and who you're influencing. You never know. So um, small. No, um, I, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't down yourself. Well, I I, I thank you. Uh, I, I really do. I just. You know, uh, it, it's just who I am. I don't take myself seriously. I think everyone knows. And I think that's why Randy spends time with us. I think that's why Michael spends time with us. Because I don't take myself seriously. Everyone else on this program. 
I do. The vast majority of people do not take themselves seriously. There's one or two on the network that do, but that's besides the point. But I do want to say that there was, for a short time, from about 2010 into late 2011, Michael knows this story. Everyone who knows us, Victoria, we were breaking news, telling stories long before the networks were ever on air. I'm sorry I'm repeating it again for giving, for giving my program love, but it was not just me. It was everyone. We are the ones that broke the news of the Fukushima nuclear reactor accident. We are the ones that broke the May 1st, 2011 event. You all know what that is. We were live. We called it long before CNN, MSNBC, or Fox were on air. We called what had happened. We knew what SEAL Team 6 had done, and we were on air way before them. We were doing the Saturday night nuclear accident. No one was on air. We were. And we had people in Japan reporting live. It was crazy. It was very impressive. Uh, It is. But after that, folks, after May 1st, 2011, the news cycle went 24 hours. It went bonkers. Then we were just there. There's just no... It's Randy. it's, It's like... Being Potemkin against, <laughs> you know, against the money players. Yes, well, it's, just, it's the same. It's really I mean, we still I break at, news, but it's got to be special. Yeah, Randy. I look at some of our productions, and I'm sitting there going, and I look at one on television that cost 1.4 million dollars, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> our acting and our story is better than that. I can't um, afford their special effects. I can't afford their lavish set. Okay, wait a minute. But one point four million. That's the eighties and nineties budgets. No, no, it's for a weekly television series. Yeah, who are you talking about? The cartoon series? No, I'm talking about something like um just certain yeah. movies on uh, the sci fi channel. Oh okay, oh that's that the... were that were usually filmed in Eastern Europe and starred almost oh. all of them starred Dean Kane, who I love, but man. <laughs> Okay, yes. Those are, I could do that. I'm yes. better than that. Uh, all of you can. And I want to give a shout-out. I believe it's to Steve Semmel. We just got a love as well from him. Or a like. I apologize. I don't describe He's pretty yes. much single-handedly editing um, Homecoming together. He's, he's been the driving force behind that. Without Steve, there would be no Homecoming. Fair enough. But without you, Victoria, and without you, Randy, and Michael, and everyone else, we could mention so many other names. Um, it would be, uh, it, you know, it, it would take us forever to do so. But we, oh, and there's a comment from Steve. But that's the beauty of it. it you know, Victoria, early in the interview, and, and I still do right now, I hear your passion. But let me tell you, I, I, I was caught up in it. Victoria, I, I, I get it. I really did appreciate it. I have done these conversations. I don't like to call them interviews. They're conversations. And your passion was intoxicating. It felt good. It really did. It's real, Victoria. And I... You had me quiet for 30, 40 minutes! <laughs> People don't do that. I talk too much. See, as evidence. Look, you see, Michael, he's already... And it was it, it was absolutely awesome, and I still want to hear more from you. I, I 
uh, you know, had it been seven o'clock, we would be closing up at eight now, but I messed up on the time. Folks, I apologize. I thought the program was going to go at 7 p.m. Pacific time, not six. I was not ready to go. I'm so sorry. I owe you a personal and a professional apology, Victoria. Oh, good. And to oh, you, good. Randy. Yeah, I guess I owe you one, too. Yeah, technical difficulties and didn't get on until you were here anyway. So oh, you're a dog. No, but it's true. And I still think that you had something to do with that, Roger, because I pressed the button and it did not work. That's he has the secret kill switch in there. I think he does. I think it's pre-programmed somehow. Jam their transmission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, you do have that Bluetooth one, and I'm uh, sure that had something to do with it. I have no comment. No. Uh, I bet no. you don't. No. No. I, I, I'm not going to say anything. You know, um, Victoria, uh, this isn't a trick question, but this is from me to you right now. Um, oh, hang on just for a second, it, Roger. I hate to really interrupt, but no, I really not at all. Gotta go. uh, thanks oh. so much, guys. It's been it wonderful. Easy, Victoria, thank you so much for doing this. Michael, thank you. Roger, thank you. I appreciate all the work. Thank you, Randy. It's always we'll see you all next time. Good night. We'll see you. Good night. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a trick, uh, Victoria, what I'm going to ask you, but there's a point to it. When, uh, when you think of yourself as, or when you are asked, how do you answer this question? Are you a Trekkie or are you a Trekker? I really Does don't think, matter. I don't know that it matters. Okay. Um, How do you see yourself? I'm a fan. Okay. I mean, I'm a fan of all of it, too. Um, yeah. So the, the second season of Discovery, I mean, I know people make a cottage industry of hating on Discovery, right? Um, I mean, the whole Spock sister thing, I think that's a gimmick. I can't stand it. But... But, but, even the stock clock is right twice a day, and season two with Anson Mount, oh my god, it was so amazing. They, they captured, you know, and you're talking to somebody who is a, just a rabid fan of the two TOS pilots, and they just captured it. The, the, the whole thing, my favorite scene in all of that was when Vina appeared. Yes. in the ready room yes. and the gal that played Vina, I mean, she actually had uh, the original actress's vocal cadences down she had Susan Oliver's, I think her name is Rebecca George she had Susan Oliver's vocal cadences down, she studied Susan's performance okay, and her and um, um, Anson Mount in this scene you can just, you can Feel the emotion between them, you know, the, the, the whole thing that, that they had suffered together on Talos all those years ago. You can actually, I mean, you can just see the, the, what they're both feeling when this is going on. It was such a powerful scene. Oh, my goodness. And, and you know, I mean, most people would look at that and be like, oh, my God, you know, it's pure fan service. Well, it was, and it was amazing. Oh, wow. You know? Yes, thank you, Melissa George. Thank you, uh, Tim. Yeah, and, what a shock. Um, thank you, Tim. <laughs> and, um, you know, just, just the two of them playing, doing those. And, and uh, Anson was a, was a great choice for, uh, for Pike because he kind of looks like Jeff Hunter. He kind of carries <sighs> himself like Jeff Hunter. You know, kind of talks a little bit like Jeff Hunter did, except he's much warmer and, and kinder. You know, maybe those, those, that terrible experience 
that he's had has changed him too, right? And now, of course, in, when they go into Strange New Worlds, you, you've got this guy who's seen, literally seen what's going to happen to him. And oh, bad. it's so bad, you know, and naturally now his hair has gone white, you know, it, it's affected him. And, you know, you, you can see Anson is channeling all of this and, and just, just that, that, that great performance. And, and um, finally, and nothing against all the people who have played Spock as a tenor, Spock is not a tenor. Spock is a baritone. And they finally got an actor with the voice. You know, Ethan Pack has that voice. He's got that same, that Spock voice, that yell, you know, and they're going to do Pilot Spock. You know, Pilot Spock laughed. He smiled. And that's what, that's what we're going to see, you know, that character in Strange New Worlds. And we're going to see how he changes. And, um, you know, I, I just think I think that kind of thing is fantastic. And yes, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I'm a fan. I, I like it a lot. Um, I'm not a great fan of, of stupid track, you know, but I watch Lower Decks and yeah, it has its moments. OK, and and it's track and it's good. You know, it, I don't like the stupid humor, you know, although I am a fan of Rick and Morty. So, you know, there are those moments that I like. Um you know, I, I watch all that stuff. Um, I like all the classic series. I'm in day by day, I'm rewatching um, Deep Space Nine as, as we speak. In fact, I have a subscription to Paramount Plus. Um, I love all of those things. Um, Picard, I watched all of that, and and how how great it is. You know, I mean, they brought back John Delancey. You know, I didn't get a chance to meet him because I didn't work those episodes of STC, but. Um, he was there for one of them. Um, you know, bringing him back, you know, and, and that energy is, is, is going to be great. And I think that you have to take it for what it is. The, the, the real thing about all Trek, all good Trek, is that it tells a story. And the best fan films, uh, George K. Ian's Infinite Chain series is is taken from an actual novel of, of that name, and he did a great job of adapting it, and that's telling a story. I mean, are, are the production values Hollywood level? No, but but is the is the storytelling? Yes. Are the characters real? Are are they are they characters that that you can reach and touch and and get to know and care about? Yes, that's what's important. That's what we're trying to do, um, in in all of the Potemkin series. It's what we tried to do in Farragut. It's what we try to do um, in Dreadnought Dominion. We, we're, we're trying to create people, real people, that the fans, the, those who watch it, even if it's only one person, can relate to. You know, and, and that's, that's Trek. Trek is about the people. It's about the stories. It's about the, the real experiences that real people, these people who, who are, are, are in Starfleet and, and who are living these experiences have. Um, yeah, you know, great, it's 21st century and, and you get great special effects and some of this stuff and what have you, but it's not about the flash and the dash. You've got Michael Bay for that in, in movies. You, that's not Star Trek. Star Trek is about the, the, the people and the struggles and the, and the, the emotion. Tim was, was referring to, um, some of the scenes in Butterfly Effect. What a lot of people don't know is that Butterfly Effect was a stopgap script. Um, it went from nothing or just an idea in the back of my head 
to production in a week. Um, we had a disaster where about half of the cast couldn't appear for uh, for a, 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 a shooting date that we'd set up. And um, at the time it was in Birmingham and, and I was traveling. That's a nine hour drive for me. And that was set up and, and we were going to shoot, you know, and, and Randy had enough people to shoot. And uh, we were just going to have to shuffle some lines around. And we were, and there were certain things that the original script called for, uh, location shots and that kind of thing that we weren't going to be able to do because of the weather. So I had to write an entire story from scratch in, in a day, literally, and have it to wow. Randy for editing. And that was Butterfly Effect. And it was something that my husband, Jeff, and I had been kicking around. Um, we'd originally wanted to put something together and submit it for consideration for, for, for Farragut years ago, but obviously the series wasn't around long enough to do that. Um, it's the only time that I know of that Randy has actually done a time travel episode. He doesn't like doing time travel because it's a gimmick. But in this case, the idea was to showcase a, a dilemma. And what, do you, what would you do if you were cast back into a historical incident and you know what's going to happen and you know it's going to be tragic and you know it's going to be terrible and you can change it. But if you change it, you change everything. Yes. When you get back, you, you know, home isn't going to be home anymore. It's not going to be there. Um, what it, it, and, and the, the Will you be there? Yeah, will anybody be there? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and the whole the, the title came from uh, the idea of, of the butterfly effect, that if you're a time traveler and you go back in time and you step on a butterfly, anybody that that butterfly would have influenced will no longer be influenced. And you've changed the timeline. You've changed history. And so Gabriel is personally affected by this because the loss of constellation ultimately led indirectly to the breakup of her marriage. So she's personally affected by the death of, of Constellation science officer. And now here she is and she can change history, but she doesn't, you know, and that was why Randy let me get away with it because, you know, we, we were in the setting, but we didn't do anything with it. And my original concept for that script was obviously going to be a lot longer and a lot more involved. And we actually would have met um, uh, at least one Constellation crew person. Um, and I never really fleshed that out and, and you know, how, how that would, would work. And um, I always wanted to, to co-opt Mike Bedner to, to uh, voice um, Commodore Decker, because he does this incredible William Wyndham impersonation. It's fantastic. You've got to hear it to, to see it. You know, he, he, he does the, he does the most amazing Commodore Decker and, uh, and he would have voiced it so well, you know, I wanted to co-opt him for that. If we were able to, you know, with the, for the distress call, you know, or something like that. But, you know, when, when we finally got to putting it on paper, we're, we're doing it for short form and, and Potemkin stories are usually no longer than about 15 minutes. So we, we really had to condense it down and focus on, on the struggle and the emotion of the moment. 
and uh, and so that comes down to to those scenes in the briefing room where where Gabriel has to make the choice what what we're going to do. She's ultimately in command. So um, that's what Trek is about. It's about that struggle to find the right thing to do and and uh, and how we get there and and that you know the the interplay between the the personalities. And I, 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 re I remember that episode, and I remember the first time I saw it after it was all put together. And just after you got flung back and you stumbled across the constellation in orbit. And constellation. It, it can't be. Yeah, it was just so moving. And, then as I, and your reaction when you just were like, this can't be what I'm seeing, yeah. you know, just, and it, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And no, Randy does not like doing time town travel. And we'll probably never do it again, but we never do it again, but you know, sir, you know, fortunate circumstance, I was able to get, I was able to do it for that one thing. And, and believe it or not, of all the Demos episodes we've shot, that one has generated more comments on online. Uh, the, the fans have just been rabid. I mean, it, it's like, you know, the, the white dress or the blue dress, you know what I mean? When they had that craze a few years ago. It's like <laughs> yeah, that. It like I mean, it's, it's Republican versus Democrat, man. I mean, there is no, there's no middle ground. You, you're you either pro-Gabriel or anti-Gabriel, you know, on this decision, you know, to, to, to not save the, the crew of, the, of, of Constellation. And, um, you know, I never expected that. I never expected it for a minute. It, it just, Randy called me up and he said, you've got to look at this. You know, I want you to respond to some of this. And I'm like, respond to what? I don't look at comments. And when I, when I looked, I was just like, you know, you could knock me over with a feather. I was like, no way, no way this is, this is affecting people like this. But it did. I never expected it. When we did Where, we have, where They Have Gone, We Follow. Mm -hmm. Randy directed me to the comments in that one, too, because there was one person who actually said that he was so touched by those events, and, and especially uh, Jim Brooks' um, portrayal of, of, uh, of, of Claw Witter in that, um, who had to kill his captain, um, who had been affected by the, by the barrier, um, that it made him cry. And, you know, wow, what, what a gift that, that something I wrote, you know, and, and something that, that we portrayed and that particularly Jim portrayed, um, you know, touched somebody like that. And, and, you know, Tim is making the comment that, it was, that, that Jim's performance was heartbreaking. And it was, I mean, you know, when we shot that scene in the forest, where, where he's just sitting there with, with the gun and, and um, uh, uh, Lee Drew, who plays Drogo, takes the, gently takes the phaser out of his hands and, and I'm directing the doctor to scan him and, and all of that. And he looks up at me and says, take me home, Sean, now. And, um, you know, you, 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 he just projected this, 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 this great pain that, that he was feeling from having to do what he had done and, and having seen what he had seen. And, and his, his character had actually been 
on Enterprise during the original barrier transit in Where No Man Has Gone Before in the engine room and had actually known um, Lee Kelso. Um, and, and you can see in, in the scene with Gabriel in the briefing room at the end where she's named Captain, um, you know, that he's just he's talking about having known these people and and um, and how Commander Mitchell's transformation and what he had done. And, and he saw it happening again and I couldn't let it happen again. I couldn't let it happen again. Not again. Um, it, it was just amazing. Uh, just just a tremendous performance that he turned in. Yes, there's actually quite a few comments right now. Uh, Timoteo also said, oh, no, I actually, uh, this one. I suspect the claw would have resigned from Starfleet after that incident. That but I can't say because I don't know. Um, we, we just hasn't been answered of, yet. It hasn't been answered yet. We've had a number of ideas about how to close out uh, that character's backstory. Um, obviously, the production has moved, so so Jim is, is not filming with us now. Obviously, if, if he wanted to come back, we'd love to have him back um but um i guess at some point we're going to figure out some way to close out that character and and we've had some some ideas about that but tim's suggestion certainly isn't wrong um that's actually it wouldn't surprise me at all it would be completely within Clawwater's character he was very badly affected uh as a character by uh, by that experience and and i'm not sure that it's one that that even a hard bit guy like wolfgang clawitter would get over easily yeah michael uh, i keep getting messages i'm trying to oh thank goodness yeah. i thought it was me no 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 I, no i actually started looking at my phone like oh my god am i the one making no it's you okay it's yeah. me and I just, yeah, no, I've, you're got okay. to, I've got to turn it off. Timothy also says, in my head, Cannon Claw, what is a Starbase 211 undergoing treatment for PTSD? Who that's knows? not necessarily a bad idea. Who knows? I mean, um, it, it, that's certainly plausible. Certainly. So uh, just very quickly, going back to some of the stuff that's on Paramount right now, you've, you're watching it all, right? Yes. Uh, oh, yes. On, I watch right? it all. All right, fair enough. Would you uh, and folks? I'm sorry. I'm talking to everyone. If you haven't seen it by now, it's real easy. All you need is a different credit card and another free seven day look. You can watch it. Cut it out. So if you haven't seen it, uh, screw the spoilers. Season three, Discovery. What'd you think? I didn't like it. I mean, it, it's it's okay for what it is. You know. Oh, um, okay. I think that that uh, uh, the actor that plays Saru really turned in a tremendous performance. Okay. Um, I, I think Sonequa Martin Green is a gr is a great actress. Um, I just don't like the character of Michael Burnham, I, and, and I don't like her backstory. Um, some of the other characters I liked. Um, I, I like the mirror arc where they have Captain Killy. I, I, I thought that was cool. You know, that was cute. Yeah. And uh, and the gal that plays her is fantastic. I think they've they've kind of missed a march by uh, not doing anything else with Laurel. Uh, Mary Chifo is 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 just tremendous. And uh, I play Star Trek Online, of course. And there's a whole series of, of episodes where she reprises the character of Laurel, and it's fantastic. Um, and and the the gal that plays um, uh, Tilly, 
reprises Captain Killy in, in uh, a series of those episodes, and she does a fantastic job at that, too. Um, you know, and, and you also get to, to play a couple of episodes with, uh, with uh, Sonequa Martin-Green playing Burnham, and, and those are fantastic, too. Um, when she's not shackled by the Spock's sister, you know, Mary Sue routine, and, and Tim is right, you know, when, when he refers to, to her as Mary Sue Burnham, that, that's right. I mean, that's, a, that's the writers who, who did that, not the, uh, not the actress. Um, I think she's doing a great job with what she's been given, which is not nearly good enough. Um, what they're trying to do clearly with the third season of Discovery is, is give them a launch point to, to make them more of a, of a traditional track experience um you know so so it gets them away from that spock sister routine that the the fans most of the fans really don't like um and and they've made her the captain um you know and and the question is is she going to overcome you know now that she's got the uh uh the uh responsibility you know the center seat changes you look at gabriel you know if you compare Sean Gabriel um, in the last episode we shot with Sean Gabriel in uh, No Greater Love, for example, when she was still chief engineer. Um, she's different because she has more responsibility. And in where they have gone, we follow, you see that, you see that responsibility crushing her as, as the acting captain of the ship. That's got to change. Um, Michael Burnham's character too. So I'll be real interested in seeing how they did that. Um, I like the guy that they've got playing that, 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 uh, that Spanish guy they've got playing the Starfleet Admiral. He's got gravitas. Oh. You know, he, he's, he's got gravitas. I like him a lot. Um, he would have been an excellent choice for a starship captain, if you ask me, but um, you know, um, There, there's just some things about that arc that, I mean, yeah, it's canon, it's definitely Trek, but it, it didn't engage me the way the second season did, um, and the way that that, uh, that Anson Mount and, and Rebecca uh, Remain and um, Ethan Peck, they have chemistry together, great chemistry together. And um, I just don't think that the Central Discovery crew has together that kind of of just family chemistry together although they're individually great actors all of them um uh, that's the fault of writing staff it is and and that's a writing problem too and and i just don't feel sucked in that that's just that's just my reaction it is a but, significant problem to the writing staff and somewhere in the third season i'm like i don't even know the names of the secondary characters Right. That really, it dawned on me. It's like, man, that's, but okay, fine. I, I, I'm not, I'm, it's, you used the line earlier, the cottage industry, you know, the hatred and all that stuff. No, that's, that's not here. And, and, and I'm not going to do that. I, I don't. I'm privileged. I'm an old guy. And as I've told everyone, you've all heard it before. Uh, a few years ago, as I was asked, hey, Raj, what do you like better, Orville or Discovery? And my answer was this, Victoria. That twice a week, my my youngest daughter sits down to watch both programs with me. Sure, you, you and, tell and me I, which one's better. 
and, and I've watched all of the uh, the released Orville episodes too. And give me a break, that's Next Generation track. Oh it sure, is, you know because you know Seth is what he's he's a fan. He is. He would have done a great job as the as the line producer of of, of classic track. I mean, he he really would. Because he's a fan, and, and he'd be coming at it the same way we are. I mean, and, and what is the Orville but fan film with lots and lots of money behind it? That's what it is. It's exactly what it, it is. It really is. You know, Did you have that moment? Order. I'm sorry. Did you have that moment in Orville when all of a sudden you're like, hey, wait a minute. Is this a comedy or is it a drama? I, I don't remember when it happened, but I realized that what they were telling – good science fiction and it went from a pure all-out comedy to good storytelling i mean they did from the, the very beginning episode. really okay for me no it, it was somewhere somewhere maybe the third or fourth where it just it was really good stuff and he's a fan uh, you know that he's oh, not yes. gonna, he's not going to parody this he's gonna he's gonna do serious sci-fi because that's where his heart is his yeah. heart is the same place all the rest of us are the difference is, is that he's got platform, he's got money, he's got access to lots of talent, you know. So he oh, puts the on big the, names the, the that he's great, had on Orville, yeah, and and a lot of, of of Trek alumni have played on it. That and as well. Yes. Some, and, and what sets it aside is he's got some good writing too. Oh um, yeah, that too. You know, there, there's a lot of synergy there, and and it, it again, it, it's like the. The, the eighth episode of Next Generation. It, it really is. And uh, and that's where his heart is. I mean, it's clearly where his heart is. I mean, look at the uniforms. Give me a break. What's he riffing off of? Duh. You know, we can all see it. Yes. And that's okay. I mean, that's that, that's okay. Um, you know, and, and I think that you can like that. And I, and I think that the people who are fans of Discovery, even third season Discovery, that's legit. I mean, they're, that's real track. It, it is. Um, maybe it doesn't suck me in, but I bet it sucks in a lot of other people um, who who like that, and and that's great, you know. And there are others that don't. It just doesn't. Right. I, and, I, and, and you know, and that's why they're doing Strange New Worlds. I mean, hello, they actually listen to the fans, really. What a maybe. score! I'm, I'm waiting to see if if they're going to screw it up, but I don't I, think oh. that they will. I don't think that they will because again, they went through a whole season in Discovery. Second season Discovery was fan. Fantastic. What did someone and, say online that that is the longest backdoor pilot ever? <laughs> yeah, and and it was very well done, you know. So they clearly can tell original classic track, and they've got the right people to do it too. Because if you look at at the three central characters, all three of them are fans. Anson Mount has always wanted to play a starship captain. He said it. Um, Rebecca Romaine is a fan. Ethan Peck is a fan. They're fans. They love it. They they're there, you know. And when they walk, that is a that, rarity. Yes, and when they walk onto that set, they feel the same way we do. When we walk onto the neutral zone, or when we walk onto Randy sets in 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 Lexington, you know, you're standing on the bridge. You know, you're there. You're sitting in that chair. You know, everybody wants to sit in the chair, right? Yes. And um, you know, that's. We all share that no matter, you know, they, they're making millions of dollars a week and we do it for free, but it, it's the same feeling, you know, and, and we're, 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 we're trying to grab a, a piece of that, of that same, you know, that, that same, that, that magic, you know, 
that that endures that that hopeful Star Trek universe where where you know maybe maybe the whole world doesn't have to suck and we don't have to have this dystopian future you know where where uh, the Handmaid's Tale you know where 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 you've got nuts in charge and and women wearing red suits and you know and everybody's trying to kill each other it doesn't have to be this way you know right. and you know I think everybody who watches anything in the Star Trek franchise is, is hoping for that kind of future, wants a piece of that kind of future, wants to escape to to that, even, you know, just for a few minutes. And and if Discovery season three does that for them, then isn't that special? You know, and and thank God that it's there. I mean, even the Kelvin movies, I am not a fan of JJ Trek, but there are plenty of people who are. And it's not illegitimate. Leonard Nimoy himself was in it. So, you know, for the people that like that, that's that reaches them, that touches them. And, you know, the Star Trek audience, the, the fan base is broad and it's wide and it's deep and, and very different. And, and there are people in it that, that are, are different and, and that like different things. I mean, if you look at the at the likes and the dislikes for for demos episodes i mean we've had some thumbs downs sure most of, we have had a lot of thumbs up so you know a lot of people will look at what we do and, and they'll be like are you kidding me you know the production values suck you know these people couldn't act their way out of a paper bag you know whatever but then you know you get others where we we had the reaction from that one fellow who who was so touched that it drew tears from him um when with uh where they have gone we follow and uh, the debate that butterfly effect started, you know, that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't touched people a certain way. So, you know, that's the beautiful thing about the universe, about the Trek universe, is, is that there's, it's truly the, the big sci-fi tent. And there's, there's something in it for everyone, um, you know, yes. wherever you may be. Um, there, there's something, there's a piece of the, of the magic for you. Oh, I most wholeheartedly agree. You answered probably three or four questions which I would have thrown at you, and you already answered them all, and I am eternally grateful. I did get a message from Michael. Uh, it's I'm on West Coast. It's early for me. I understand it's very late for you. Is that correct? Yeah, it's coming yeah. up on, on 11, and, and at uh, 11, I've got about 15 more minutes, and then I've, I've got to go because I've got court tomorrow, and I don't want to put you in that spot. Uh, I want to tell you this, uh, Victoria. Look, there's a lot more that you have to say, and I'm sure you want to share it. And I would love to spend time where we do maybe a deeper dive on some of the stuff that you've done in the past. And maybe we'll do a few episodes or we'll spend time on an episode. Maybe we'll do 15 minutes. Maybe we'll do five hours. I don't sure. know. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding about the five hours. But yeah. – uh, I don't know uh, if I have that kind of staying power. This is the gauntlet, as I've been told. It's a price some people have to pay, Michael, but it's all right. All kidding aside, uh, Victoria, I would love to have these conversations with you. The the, the 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 passion, I just can't get over it. It is rare. Everyone emotes differently, and it's very clear with you, and I, I want to have some more conversations with you. There's no doubt. And as a matter of fact, as I've said to everyone in the past, anytime you want to come back, Look, just let us know, man. We're here, and and we'll we'll make time during the week. But uh, it's good. 
We have a few more minutes. We're on your time, Victoria. Where else do you want to take us? What else do you want to talk about right now? I haven't got a clue, frankly. Okay, fair enough. Let's just do a few more things, and then we're just sure. we'll we'll be done in maybe three four minutes, if that is possible with me at the helm. Ugh, I'm the one that takes the uh, parabolic course to avoid entering the neutral zone instead of just pivoting and warping out. So, favorite movies? Uh, I, okay, I know not JJ, but heart wise, what's or excitement wise, what's what's your favorite movies of Star Trek and? Why does it stick with Star Trek for a moment? Well, I'm a heretic. I actually really? like the very first one, the very first movie. Hey, I um, saw it probably about ten times in the theater. Look, yeah, I was I mean, chaperoning my sister. They were in the van, and they wanted to see it. I'm like, you're not going to look at the movie anyway. I'm going to watch what I want to watch. And I saw Star Trek. I was 10 years old watching 1979 Star Trek. There, we revealed it. So I liked it, and I also liked... Um, Once a week for 10 weeks. You know, I believe it or not, and, and I hate to admit this, but I also liked the... Uh, the, the one where, where they're all like, you know, what does God want with a starship, you know? That's what I said. I mean, the that's like the worst one of them, right? But I got a kick um, out of it. I really kind of did because... You know, I you love know, pointing out to some... Were approaching it. You know, I, I've always told people, I said, look, if you take the first half of the movie, it's actually not bad. It's actually not it's that the bad. the second yeah. half that's questionable. I, look, the exciting moment where they got to get back aboard the Enterprise, that is Kirk at his best, man. Yeah. I mean, not having any other way, and he's got to get. I mean, that was exciting for everyone, but right. Um, and, and who doesn't like you know Wrath of Khan? You know, I mean, oh my gosh, you know that was that was really good. Everybody likes that. Um, yes, that's what parents say to their kids, Timotel. Oh yeah, so and so's good in their own different way. <laughs> really, the only the only one of the original series movies I didn't like was the one where they went to rescue the whales. I'm kind of like you know. Really, the fourth movie, are, yes. The are we doing that again? You know, come on. Um, you know, uh, I, I did enjoy whole, all the Randy's movies. Right, the whole time travel trope is overdone in, in track, and that's, I guess, why I didn't like it. Um, what was your first thoughts on Generations? Did they have to kill Kirk that way? Oh, see, for me, I had seen it from the third movie on that Kirk's days were numbered. I just figured that what he had done, they were out to get him. And eventually, I actually thought he was going to buy it in Star Trek Six when they did that wonderful teaser where you see him getting shot and he's vaporized. Yeah, but that that's was... not how you kill James T. Kirk. I mean, he's larger than life. If you're going to kill him, he's got to go out big. I mean, Commodore Decker went out bigger than that. Kirk saved 235 million lives. Yeah, but he died under a bridge on the nexus come on man really i you acquiesce know? to that you know you Council. know <laughs> I who had an epic death was alec gregory that was epic man he went out fighting in in at the at the helm of the starship potemkin that's how kirk should have gone out ross make it, Hi, or made ross. it. yes ross that is, is so cool does fantastic effects and and stuff. Um, i mean he's He's really great. We've had we've Ross had so many incredible effects people with Potemkin. Oh my gosh, we had so many good people. Ross needs to join us again, but he also has been given an invite to join us whenever he desires. He should so, because he's he's very talented. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, I made friends with him on Facebook recently. It was funny. I think he was on an episode, or we were talking about. Hey, dude, we're not friends. I can't send you the message. 
We've been very lucky um, in, in Potemkin world. Some of the people who have done things like the music and um, who have edited scripts and who have done the FX, the, the, the special effects, and Randy does a lot of, of his own. Um, yes. and, and Ross does a lot of that stuff and, and a lot and a lot of the stock shots we use and the music, uh, the theme music for Demos all came from Chris Krasniewski. Um, these people are all volunteers. I mean, they do a tremendous job. Um, Samuel Cockings does the uh, special effects for uh, for Dominion. Just amazing Hollywood level work that, that these people do for free. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, it's yeah. just incredible um, because they I'm, love the subject matter. Yeah, and and when I was with uh, Farragut, they they had Neo FX, yeah. who was a professional in the field, and and he did it. And um, these things just look fantastic. I mean, they're just it's just you know television level stuff, and and they do it for the same reason, you know that that I write and act for love of the subject matter. Wow. I, I have another question to ask you, and I have not asked this of Michael Day, but I'm going to give you an example. In the movies, let's stick with the movies, and maybe we can talk about the TV series next time. I'm hoping that we have you back. But what are the mo- what are the moments in the movies that made you, like, left your mouth open? For me, I think of Star Trek VI, when Gorkin tells Kirk, don't let it end this way. I remember being thrown in the theater that it's like, oh my God, even Gorkin knows there's more to this. Kirk, are you paying attention? Um, in, uh, uh, well, in, oh my goodness, I was thinking right now, in First Contact, where he, they, Picard describes, they're creating an interplexing beacon. We have to stop them. If we don't, it's over. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, I, I felt it in First Contact. It was over, and they had to go out there, and they had to handle business. What are some of the moments or a moment or two that really did that to you in the movies? I know I'm ambushing you with that question. In the first movie, the okay. uh, the destruction of the of the lead Klingon battle cruiser at the very beginning. Oh wow! And, and okay. later on, the uh, the uh, death of the of the the space station. Um, and, Epsilon and, Nine. Yeah, Epsilon oh, Nine. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you, you, you can, it just gives you chills because they're having that discussion on the space station while on the monitor, you know, you can see Mark Leonard who played Sarek is in Klingon yes. makeup and, and, you know, the ship is under attack and it's shaken and, and they're, they're going to lose it. And, and they're talking about you know, how the, how the Klingon battle cruiser is continuing to attack the, the station, you know, and he's the giving Amars. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, and, sorry. Uh, and he's giving orders, and uh, then Beecher hits it with the, with the, the last bolt, you know, and, and they do everything that they can to stop that, and it comes and it hits them and, and takes the, uh, this, this Katinga-class battlecruiser away. And then um, at the end on, on Epsilon 9, Beecher is destroying the station, and, and it's being eaten up. And, and this young guy is still at his post broadcasting the entire time, you know, and telling the, the, the Starfleet command and, and the people on, on Enterprise are listening into this that uh, we are under attack. We're under attack. And, and you know, the, 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 these people are going to die at their posts. Right. And you're watching this happen. 
um, that that was a one of those kinds of moments. Or um, in Wrath of Khan, you know, when they beam onto the space station, and everybody's dead, you know, and, and you have McCoy walk in there, and the dead guy, you know, falls on him. It, it's it's like a scene. I'm I'm a big fan of the Dead Space series. Oh, um, yes. I followed Isaac Clark through through everything that's ever happened to him. And I probably have post-traumatic stress disorder from my time on the, on the USG Ishimura. Um, I'm an, I'm, I'm an Ishimura survivor, you know, and, uh, and, and yes, I liked Talvolanis the best. I'm sorry, you know, and what happened to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, to the Southern colonies armed forces on Talvolanis. Oh my God. You know how that ended up. And, and with general Mahad at the end, you know, he, eats a bullet for the colonies, you know, and th there's this one scene where Isaac goes into this, um, this, this room where they, they started scenario five and, and it's showing this, this film, you know, and, and you can hear the, and it's Keith Zarabaika who, who plays Mahad and he is fantastic. He is such a great actor and he just he just evokes this tremendous performance, you know, this this hopelessness. They're going to do their duty to the end. Right. And Isaac walks into the room, you know, and then this thing is playing. And it's just this military film that's, that's laying out how how these people are, are how they're going to kill everybody on the planet to prevent the necromorph outbreak from from getting off the planet. And, you know, you can just you can just feel the desperation, you know, and it's and it's very it, it, in, in the prologue where, where you see um, Mahad is the last one alive and he, and he kills the last soldier and then shoots himself, you know, and then they, the, the, the camera right before it, it cuts to uh, the cut scene where, where it introduces Isaac back on earth and starts the story zooms in on the, on the, on the sovereign colonies flag flying in the icy wind of Talvolanis. I'm like, God, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that just, that just gets you that kind of melodramatic moment. That that's just huge. And that's what sucks me into dead space, into that universe is, is that quality of storytelling. They're remaking dead space one and it's going to be awesome. Um, I hope they stick with the original story because the storytelling was fantastic, but in, in the Trek movies, it, it's those types of moments where where you're experiencing the pain of the character, you know, and, and what they're dealing with. Um, in Generations, John, uh, the Patrick Stewart is such a tremendous actor. He's he's trying to, you know, project the the pain of 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 being with the legend Kirk as he dies, you know, and and that you can see that that Stewart and Shatner were trying to make something out of a crap scene and just terrible writing in, in that scene. And they were trying to make something out of it. And it's those kind of moments that, that sucked me in, you know, um, the, the same guy who, who plays the crazy doctor in back to the future is a Klingon captain, you know, in one of these things. He was fantastic. Yeah, yes, Ross, exactly. Star Trek Three is there standing there watching the Enterprise burn up. Um, you know, they're they're losing that ship, you know. Um and Kirk has a moment of weakness and he says, moments. My God, Bones, what have I done? What have I done? You know, he, he, the love of his life. He's he's killed it. It was, yes. Life, you know, because Enterprise was the love of his life, you know, the, yeah. the thing that got him through the, 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 the naked time, you know, 
the, the duty of 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 being the captain of 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 the ship you know pulled him out of this and uh, and you know the captain always had a first love it's how he beat the dolman's tears you know he beats the dolman's tears because you know the enterprise infected him first and now in that movie he's killed her wow and shatter did a great job of 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 projecting that that feeling yes there's no turn, doubt turn death into a chance yes that's that's yes ross that's classic that's trek you know that's that's reaching out to that to that primal emotion in us all and that's what it always you know the the best moments in trek have always been that try trying to channel one of those moments into a 15 minute production that's not easy we try to do it you've gotten close several times yeah once yes, or twice yeah well we can debate that next time <laughs> as to how many times and i would love to talk about those episodes we'll talk to randy about maybe we can show some of the footage and we could spend some time talking about those and before we meet again i would like uh the episodes you want to discuss because i think it's fair and uh I, I i would look forward to that i really would victoria sure and if we need to start a little bit earlier maybe we can choose like a friday or a weekend uh, Weekends are better for me because it. obviously I can sleep it off the next day. I don't have to be in court early the next morning. I know. You know the yeah. judge expecting me to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. That's the bad part. Um, I've practiced in the circuit that I'm in for 20 years, and unfortunately I'm at a point now in my career where nearly all of the judges are people I either worked with, worked for, or trained as young lawyers, and they have certain expectations of Yes. Of, uh, of me. And, um, you know, I've, I've got to I've got to show up and and bring my A game every time. <laughs> well, we one. talked about that earlier. Yes. Yeah, Ross is another one who thinks that I'm English, I guess. Well, Michael, I know we're going to have to follow up with you on some of those because we are mm -hmm. getting way too close now. We've crossed yeah. those 15 minutes. Victoria, uh, it has been a thrill. It's been a pleasure. And I am. I. I for where, where we are right now, and hopefully I'm looking at you returning, my answer sure. would be second start of the right and straight on the morning. I think yeah, that would be so Just reach out to Michael and, and, and set it up. I'm, we will. I'm easy, and um, uh, Michael and I have been friends for many years, and mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm always glad to, uh, to, uh, to step up and, and help out. And I, I have to tell you, some of this is my fault. He's mentioned you to me in the past numerous times and then one thing or another which is always one thing or another we just i we went in a different direction and whatever but uh he said look she's coming on that's it and i was like yeah good okay great <laughs> it's gonna happen so we were looking forward to it. but so much so that i was in my room at six o'clock oh i'm so embarrassed oh my goodness i'm so sorry that's the first time i missed my episode yeah uh, yeah. Oh, stop it, Michael. Stop it. Anyway, uh, wow. This two hours flew by fast. I'm sorry that you have to get up early tomorrow, but I thank you eternally. I respect and admire what you do. I thank you for spending time with us today, and I can't wait. I know there's some more stories there, and I can't wait to hear them. I don't think you can do this. I'm, um, I've been involved in, in doing these for um, all, about nine years now, and, and I don't think you can be in this uh without having stories 
Um, obviously, the best stories are people like Mike Bednar, John Broughton, or Randy, um, or Gary and, and Randy Wren, um, Gary Davis and Randy Wren, who are, who are the people who are, are the, the driving force and the creation behind these. Uh, these but they uh, are the driving force in creation. You've had a hand in it. You yes. get to, you, yes, there are stories there. And I appreciate you sharing that, that yes, they may have more, but even then, from it's still from a different perspective. I want your perspective. Michael's already spilling the beans. He'll be back again. I still think there's there's water to draw out of that well. And okay. I think uh, I think we just exited the desert and we realized there's an oasis right here. <laughs> so there is there's more uh, to come, and I look forward to that. I'm so glad to help out. Uh, just have Mike reach out to me, and and uh, and we'll set something up. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you, Ross, for that. Thank you, Timoteo, and for all the other comments. I do apologize. All the likes, uh, Steve, Michael, Thomas, Tony, and Jacob. Thank you. And, of course, Victoria, what a pleasure. Thank you. I can't wait. Michael, dude, thank you. You are. Okay, I won't say it, but you are really involved in all this stuff. He hates it when I call him that. Yeah. Don't you dare. The such and such of fan films. Mm-hmm. So I won't say it right now. All right. He's been a producer in every um, series that I've been involved in. He's and, been in a producer um, and contributor to mm-hmm. many. I don't know if anyone has more credits than he does. That's the Probably reality. Not. I don't think so, Michael. I think it's fair to say what I call you. And I don't mean that you're the progenitor or the creator. I mean you are that godfather to the family. You mm-hmm. are. And that's the way I meant it. I don't mean you as a creator. I mean for everything that you've done and do. Yeah, I still do some. Yeah. Not as much as I used to, but yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all right. Well, I'm, okay. working on, I'm working on other things. I, I, I know you are. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we did get one more like. I want to get to that person right now, and that's Ross. Thanks, Ross. All right, Michael, why don't you go ahead and take us away on this one? You began it. So why don't you go ahead? No. I'll lose the entire audience forever. Oh, no one will come back. Do I stutter? Yeah, I guess I do. I stuttered through Michael. Michael, take us away. You started this? Let's end this. Yeah, I'd like to thank everyone for coming out. Thank Victoria. Thank Roger. And I am looking forward to Victoria coming back again. And we would just like to say... See you next time, everyone.